Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Five Rings to Rule Them All. I'm Sid Ziegler. We are this week releasing our list of all of the publicly out LGBTQ athletes who will be competing or appearing in Tokyo for the Olympic Games. We do this every two years, every, every time there's an Olympics. And this time around, as we had been predicting for a while, the number will have more than doubled from Rio, a lot more. At the end of the games in Rio, there were 56 athletes we knew to be publicly out. Heading into Tokyo, there are about 120 that we know of right now. And that list comes from a lot of digging around by Jim Bozinski and Tony Scuppen Bilton, the historian we work with, myself and Shelby Weldon, one of our contributors who lives in Canada, has been super helpful. And not surprisingly, most of the athletes are women. There's the vast majority. And the, the number of men right now that we know of uh, is only 15. So uh, over 100 women and only about 15 men. Two of them are from the United States, two of the men. One is somebody we had on uh, last year, earlier this year. I can't remember when we had him on, but Julian Vanonsky, who is part of the U.S. rowing team. And the other is my guest this week, Nick Wagman. He is on the dressage team. Uh, he explains what dressage is. It's an equestrian event. And he is en route to Tokyo uh, as, we as I recorded this today. I, I, so one of the funny things about creating this list is it's, it's just hard to find the men. There are so many women who are just living their lives openly on social media, you know, without having had some, you know, press conference or some, some, some press statement about being LGBTQ. They just are LGBTQ. They just living with their wife or dating their girlfriend and and they post about it so they're, they're they're living their lives openly very publicly public facing instagram account they're not afraid to post about it um but you know it's it, 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 it's not there's not some big moment where they come out like carl Nassib coming out a, a few weeks ago in the nfl the men just aren't doing that the men who are LGBTQ, for the most part, aren't just living their lives openly on, on Instagram. There's an there's a, there's a announcement, there's a story at ESPN, on Outsports. One of the few exceptions is Nick Wagman, my guest this week. When the dressage team was announced, I started going on Instagram, looking at who's there, and I said, oh, that, gosh, that certainly looks like Nick has a male partner. And sure enough, he does. They've been together for quite a long time. Nick isn't shy about it. He, you know, just, again, living his life openly. Um, and I, when I reached out to him and said, you know, would you like to talk about it? He's willing to come on, um, on the podcast to talk about it for a story on Outsports. He said, absolutely. And this is actually the first time that Nick is really talking about being gay in sports. So it's quite an honor for us to, to be able to um, talk to him about that for the first time. He lives in San Diego with his partner. He's been in equestrian for a long time, and this is the culmination of years and years of hard work getting to travel to the Tokyo Olympics. He is the reserve for Team USA, but he is uh, in Tokyo, 
and training hard and ready to go if and when called up. So um, we'll be looking forward to seeing you, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Team USA dressage rider Nick Wagman. Nick, thank you so much for joining me, and I have to apologize if you hear a little music in the background. I'm actually on Fire Island right now as we record this, and there's no stopping the music on Fire Island. Have you been here before? I have never been before, and, and I'm honestly a little jealous that you're hearing music because I'm ready for a little bit of music. It's, it's a stressful <laughs> time right now. I, I, I mean, I actually, um, I met Robert Dover on Fire Island, this is where we met, and and we and I bonded with the Roberts over Fire Island. So I figured somehow you must have made your way here at some point, but I guess not. They've invited me and my husband many times, and we just have yet to take him up on the invite. But we will, we will. Yeah, well, get out here. It's amazing. Um, so I, I want to just kind of go through just 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 talk to you about how you have gotten here. I mean, you you are now an Olympian, but Thinking back, where did this all start, your, your incredible career in uh, dressage? Well, to be honest, uh, I kind of fell in love with horses at a summer camp when I was probably nine years old, and they had uh, all kinds of activities, and horseback riding was one of them, and I just was like just spellbound by them, and so I um, spent all my days at the horse barn at that summer camp and then begged my parents for a horse and they laughed at me like are you kidding um and to be honest my dad said if you take horseback riding lessons for a year we'll get you a horse and never thinking i commit to anything like that and to the a year to that day i showed up and i said okay where's my horse and and they held true to their word and got me my first pony and that's how it kind of started i i, I know this was a while ago but can you think can you remember what it was about horseback riding that captured you at that young age? Um, I, I honestly think two things. One, I am just a complete animal person. So I am just um, taken with, with animals in general. And so I, I just had this direct response to an animal that I never really spent much time with before. And two, uh, you know, probably not knowing that I was gay at the time, felt a little bit awkward around my peers at that time. And, and this was a really, really good outlet for me to put my energy into. And, and I found a really healthy place to do that. And I think horses are what got me through high school, to be honest with you, in one piece, because it was what kept me grounded through all the other turmoil. What other turmoil? Just, you know, coming to terms with, with coming out. And um, especially in that time, you know, it was in the time when we couldn't have no cell phones and, and I didn't have a lot of um, gay friends, to be honest with you. I went to a very small high school. So I was just, I was just targeted as the gay kid, even though I wasn't out. And so this was just, was my out, my outlet was my safe space. I was, I had a very similar experience. I, I didn't even think I was gay when I was nine or 10 years old, but the kids decided that I was, right. and it was merciless. The, the, the teasing was, it was merciless. I remember going home some days crying, not understanding what on earth was going on. Does that resonate with you? 
Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I mean, my, my nickname growing up was Dickie Fagman and, you know, and, and it was just, it, it hurt, you know, and then, and you just don't know what to do with it. And you kind of don't understand it because you don't understand the feelings inside your own mind and body. And so you just kind of find, yeah, like, like I said, your sanctuary somewhere else. And for me, it really was the horses and, and the horses and animals in general, just accept you for who you are all the time. So that was, I think what, what kept me so attached and drawn to them. And then of course it blossomed into a, a profession as an adult. Um, but yeah, I, I, I have a lot to thank for the horses just in terms of my own, you know, puberty. How do you go from riding horses being an escape you just love loving being around animals. How do you go from that to it becoming a profession and you representing the United States of America at the Olympics? Uh, that's a, a long, very not straight line to this point. Um, I, I rode through high school and uh, decided I was going to go to college actually back east. I got accepted to a school back in New York. Um, and at the time, I was also, again, struggling heavily with my, my personal family. My parents were not very accepting of me being gay. I was out at this point. Um, and again, I was continued to ride and had a horse through this entire time, but was fighting for my independence uh, with, my, with my parents. And so I did choose to go to school. Um, I, I left the horses at home and went back to school. And after about a year, um, I, I just couldn't not be riding anymore. So I dropped out of school, much to my parents' uh, chagrin and uh, ended up going back to San Diego where I live now and apprenticed for uh, uh, an Olympian who was who was ready to take me on as kind of a uh, yeah a, a working student and it that's that's how I really started getting into it seriously and deciding this was going to be a career move. At what point did you start to think or dream of representing the United States at the Olympics? Gosh, I mean, when I was a kid, I, I, there were always the, the famous dressage riders that I would just read article after article and, and, you know, and that's who I had posted on my wall. Um, and so I always had this dream of, oh my gosh, what, what, what must it be like to be at that level? Um, and then of course, whether it's subconscious or not, you, you always kind of had this burning desire, what if it could be me one day? And then I think when I really dropped out of school and I started apprenticing for this particular um, trainer, Gunter Seidel. He, I don't think he'd have any problem with me saying his name is a very good friend of mine, an Olympian. Um, I really saw, gosh, you know, I, this is what I want to do as well. Um, I had no idea how hard it was going to be and how long it was going to take me. Some people make it to the Olympics when they're in their 20s. I'm in my 40s. So like I said, it took me a little bit longer, but nonetheless, here I am. In 1988, not really knowing that he was doing it, Robert Dover became the first publicly out uh, athlete at an Olympic Games. Men, mm -hmm. women, representing any country, any sport. Uh, did you have a poster of him on your wall? <laughs> Robert, I hate to disappoint you. I did not, if he's listening. Um, he'd, like, he'd probably like to think I did, but Robert, I did not. I was, I was 15 at the time, but uh, Robert was definitely a, a famous name and... Uh, when I did get to meet him for the first time as a as a young adult, I was I was awestruck, um, and we have now become very very good friends. So, did you know that he was an out athlete in 1988? Did you know that that he was out and gay in the sport? 
Um, no, I, I, I only assumed, again, I, I was 15, so I really wasn't um, talking to other people that, that in the sport that would be comfortable. Uh, and, I, and I probably, to be honest with you, was probably too afraid to question it because I didn't want people to know I was questioning my sexuality. Um, but I think, I think knowing and, and, and kind of assuming that there were other people out there that were gay, I think was probably a very helpful thing for me. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think when I actually knew um, when he was an out gay athlete, um, I, I can't pinpoint that, but, but it, it, it certainly it all had its positive impact on me for sure. Sometimes when I talk to gay men and gay boys, they talk about um, actually gravitating toward a sport like football because it's a place they can hide. Ryan O'Callaghan played with the Patriots and, and, and Chiefs in the NFL for a few years, and he talks about that, that one of the reasons he started playing football was because no one would ever question he was gay, being a big six-foot-seven, 300-pound uh, football player. Right. A question is kind of the opposite. There is, there is you know, it, it, it's, maybe it's not akin to figure skating, but I think that if you asked people name a sport where there are likely more, more gay men, they'd pick equestrian. And, and, and in fact, in Rio, over a third of all the out gay men that we knew of at the games were an equestrian. Mm -hmm. Did that play in your head at all as a kid that here I am getting teased about this and I'm actually like, I'm, I'm part of this, I, I don't want to say stereotype, but I'm, you know, I'm participating in what some may perceive as a quote unquote gay sport. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, and to be honest with you, I tried gymnastics and figure skating before this. So I, I think I was the stereotypical, you know, kid question. Again, I didn't, I didn't, I, looking back now, I can see why I was drawn to these sports. Um, I think it's just, it's more of my artistic and creative side. Um, and, and I, and I had always gotten along better with girls. So I just think it just became the, I didn't know why, but I was, they were doing it. So I kind of just followed suit. Um, and then when I, but, but neither the gymnastics nor the, the uh, figure skating hooked me. So I had no interest in it. But the, like I said, it was that a moment with the horse that I just, I just had this, this attachment and this affinity for the horse itself. Um, I had no, it didn't matter to me what, if people thought I was gay or not. I just wanted to ride horses. But yes, of course, uh, certainly in America, the, the typical male dressage rider is stereotyped as being gay, that's for sure. Tell us what dressage is. So dressage is a form of English horseback riding that um, actually was derived as a military type of riding. It was, it was, the horses were so well trained um, during military combat that they could be maneuverable and, 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 and very, you know, agile through combat. So it does have a very masculine uh, origin, um, but the sport of dressage is, you know, uh, very similar to figure skating um, in the sense that it is a subjective sport. You are judged by a panel of judges that give you a score from zero to 10. Um, everybody, men and women compete against each other. I think, I think equestrian is the only sport in which that takes place. And um, you have three compulsory elements and, and, and 
the the person with the highest score wins. So it is it is like ballet on horseback. It is they call it horse dancing. Um, however you want to phrase it, but it is it is probably the most highly um, intricate type of riding there is in terms of what the horse has to do and and the invisible um, cues we try to do it with uh, to make it look as effortless as possible. It takes years and years and years. So. When, when the average person is watching a figure skating routine, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's obvious when there's a big mistake, they fall or, or something happens. Sure. When, when the average viewer is watching dressage in Tokyo this year, what are we looking for? So I think, I think when you're talking at the Olympic level, um, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that, that most uh, all of the athletes competing in dressage have earned their right to be there and have qualified and have met the criteria. So you're going to be seeing the best of the best. Um, and each country is sending a team. So at that, at that stage, it's, it's going to be very similar to the top gymnast or figure skaters where you're looking for the little intricacies or, or someone is just going to look smoother than the other, or someone's going to look more harmonious or more flamboyant or whatever the adjective may be. Um, and then of course there are going to be the blunders where it's going to be obvious where the horse will miss a beat or, 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 or shy at, at something or spin around. I mean, the horses, are, they, they, they are animals. So they're going to be the big mistakes like that, but truly at the highest level, it's really, it's really about looking for that little extra something that, that separates the, the, the gold medal from the, from the bronze medal. So um, that's when, that's when I think dressage really does need a good commentator to help the audience really pick up on the little details because when you when you know what you're looking for it becomes far more exciting you know, and 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 that's why i ask because uh, you know i could i could watch it and not really have an idea of it cheer people on but i really don't know sure. <laughs> what's going on and, and and what i'm getting is you know figure skating they really tried to take the artistry out of um judging but it really sounds like the the, the natural flow and the artistry is really part still part of the judging of dressage absolutely and they've actually added um we've we've all we've always had a musical freestyle which is which is the individual portion of the of the competition and that's where the individual medal is decided and that's where the rider has to do compulsory movements but in any uh order and any in any pattern that he wants and he can actually up the difficulty but he also he or she also does it to um, composed music specifically for that performance. And that's always the crowd favorite. They have now taken it and added that same musical element to one of the mandatory um, components. And so they're trying very hard to make it a more audience friendly um, experience. So people can get into the music and, 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 and understand kind of the art, the, the writer's um, interpretation of what he or she is doing. So the music, you know, obviously the music we pick tells a lot about who we are as individuals. So. It adds, it adds an artistic element for sure. Well, you led me right to where I wanted to go. Okay. Now, tell us about the music that you picked. So the music, um, actually, my husband's nephew is a professional musician. And so I have a built-in uh, uh, secret weapon in my family. So he has composed all the music himself, and it's all original um, music that he's designed. Uh, you know, I worked with him, and I told him the, the vibe and the feel I want. Um, but... I left it up to him and he's, and he's composed some really beautiful stuff with this. I will say there's a sample, there's a sample of Depeche Mode in it. So that gives you a little hint. Uh, <laughs> my, my, my 80s, my 80s crush there. You, so they're in it. 
<laughs> just in case anybody had any doubt that you were gay on that horse, that now <laughs> the music well, is a dead giveaway. I uh... you know, it's, it's funny. It's funny, Nick. I, you know, I, you know, doing just a little digging and research and reading on you. Uh, you know, on social media, you are absolutely out and and uh, you know you and your husband talk about your love and your marriage but i never I, I couldn't find any media interviews where you talked about being gay is this the first one um for me it's the first one i i i talk about having a husband with all the interviews but that's never it's never asked there's nothing asked any further than that it's just a matter of fact so this is the first interview i've given where where being gay is kind of the the topic at hand yeah my husband is an athlete he's he's done a lot of um interviews uh, he was a pretty intense triathlete when i first met him and he went to the gay games and um so he's he's more familiar with this and was actually on a reality show so he's uh, he's been in the spotlight for being gay this is my first time so you're breaking me in when when i reached out to you did you ask him uh what should i do with this no, not at all. I no, I did. I, I didn't even tell him until actually today when when I knew we were going to be doing the interview for sure. And he and then he was curious as to which outlet it was, and so I told him, et cetera, et cetera. But no, I it, it's it's really wonderful to be at a place now, especially from where I came from and what and what and how difficult of a time I had coming out to where now I I, I don't even think twice about it, and I and I am happy to talk about anything and everything. Not only because I'm not ashamed of it, but if it helps somebody else, why not? And, and you hit the nail on the head for so many people. This NFL player, Carl Massive, who came out a couple of weeks ago. You know, I hear that over and over and over again. You know, I'm kind of a private person, but I know that reading my story when I was a kid could have helped me then. Mm -hmm. And I want to help that kid now. And that is the theme across almost every single interview that we do. And, and, and to this day, even in 2000, you know, even 2021, we start, we still have not only young people, but, but adult people that are still struggling with this. And so I, I, I don't take it for granted that I'm in a, that I'm in a safe environment where I'm free to be who I am, but I, but I, I'm, I'm still very aware that, that, gosh, you know, we still have work to do. So I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to do my part and, and, and be open about this. Part of that for me, I've been with my husband now for 18 years and, and, you know, I talked to, to young people in their 20s. They're like, 18 years? I didn't even think that was possible. Right. Um, so I like talking about with, with, to people about their long-term relationships. How, how did you guys meet? I had just, I'd spent seven years in Europe. Um, my, my boyfriend prior to my current husband um, is Dutch. And uh, so we took off for Europe and, and did horses and ran our business there. And then after separating from him, I... I made the decision to come back uh, to the United States and that was in 2000. And um, I hadn't been really back in the United States for seven years. So I didn't really know a whole lot of people anymore. And so I embarrassingly watched a little bit more TV than I probably should have. And uh, the real world, MTV's The Real World happened to be airing. And I just had this like TV crush on this kind of reoccurring character on the show. And it happened to be my husband. And long story short, I was out at a club one night in San Diego and the MTV show was airing and it was Chicago and I, and all of it was the uh, real world Chicago. But this guy who I'd been watching on TV was at the bar in San Diego. And so shy me went up and tapped him on the shoulder and I was like, Oh my God, you're the guy from TV. 
And of course, he'd heard that 8,000 times that night. Uh, <laughs> but somehow we, we exchanged phone numbers and we went out and uh, here we are 20 years later. You old school exchanging phone numbers, that, that, <laughs> that dating yourself. But I guess it, I mean, yeah, 20 years yeah. ago, it was like, yeah, it's, you, you like a napkin and you'd ask the bartender for a pen and you'd write the number down. Totally. <laughs> And I went home and I, and I took my answering machine, like, oh my God, did somebody call? And then there was a message on my answering machine. There was no grinder and no texting and all this stuff. So yeah. When did you realize, wow, this is, this is it. This is the one I'm going to be with for the rest of my life. Um, that's another good question. We, you know, he is so different than I am. And, and we, we are actually polar opposites in almost every sense of the word, which I think is why it works for us. So it wasn't smooth sailing in the beginning. It took a lot of um, trying to decide, is he the right one? Because he challenges me in so many ways. And one of the ways he really challenged me is he was so comfortable, so comfortable being out. I mean, he was out, out, out and you know, screaming out. And uh, I was not that comfortable. I was comfortable with being gay, but I wasn't comfortable being out in the real world and, and, and being affectionate. And he just wanted to grab my hand and he had a motorcycle. And he's like, hop on the back and hang on to my waist. And I was like, I can't do that. There's no way. And so it really challenged me. Um, and I even, I even said, I don't think you're the right person for me after about six months of dating him. And he read me the riot act and said, you are self-loathing and self-hating and blah, blah, blah. And you've got all this stuff. And it just took me so aback that I went home and thought about it and had to really look in the mirror and face my demons and and he was right and so I think it was at that point when I finally let my guard down um, and allowed myself and I'm still working on it I'm, I, I still have way more to go but I, I really credit him with pushing me to this point and you know I can't imagine being with anybody else for the rest of my life. That is so great and and it's one of the reasons that I uh, am post pictures of my husband and me kissing and mm -hmm. hugging because I think that those images are so important for kids to see because without that they, they are, you know I hate the term self-loathing but it's you, you just there's a lack of comfort around the idea of, of even if you're gay um, kissing another man and so I think those, those sharing those images which, which you do which is an, which is awesome to see um, it's just so important, like we talked about, to help not just kids, but adults struggling with who they are. Sure. I, yeah, you're right. I, I wish I wish I'd had more of these uh, role models or, or, or images, like you said, when I was when I was a kid, it would have helped me a lot. So. Uh, so you leave this Saturday, you're going to be in Tokyo, God, for three weeks before the games. What will you be doing for those three weeks in Tokyo? So actually we go to uh, Germany on Saturday with all the horses because we have to do about seven days of pre-export quarantine with the horses before Japan will allow us into the country. So um, we're, we have one more leg to go before Tokyo. Um, and, and every day the, the rules and regulations seem to be changing. So we, we aren't quite sure what we will and won't be allowed to do. Um, in Tokyo though, I do know that um, it's gonna be a pretty, pretty stringent um, situation where we go from our hotel to the venue and back to the hotel. There's just not going to be a whole lot of uh, being able to explore and, and really get that that amazing Olympic experience that I think we all uh, see on TV and all the in the and the village and all the and all the camaraderie. Unfortunately, that's going to be very limited because Japan is still struggling with uh, Corona quite seriously. 
Well, absolutely. You know, it's going to be a different experience for you, um, but you will forever be an Olympian. Yep. You will forever be one of the few out gay men to compete in the Olympics being out. Uh, and that means a lot to a lot of people. So I hope you take a lot of pride in that because you're, you're, you're helping people talking about this and be just being out there and re representing our country um, as an out gay man. It means a lot. Well, I, I really, I love hearing that and I take it very seriously and, and whoever's listening, I, you know, I, it, it, anything's possible and, and there is a beautiful world out there ready to embrace and love everybody. So, you know, just, just don't let the negative energy you may or may not be experiencing in your own life get you down. Like th there's a beautiful world out there and I'm, and I'm, I'm discovering more of it every day. So. Well, after the games, the next time you're in Los Angeles, let, uh, let us know. I, my husband and I would love to cook dinner. We love to cook. Well, I love to cook. He likes to, he likes to do the dishes. Um, but love to meet you and, and, and spend some time. It's, it sounds like he, he, we're very similar. We're, I mean, our relationship sounds similar in that we're polar opposites. Huh? Um, and we're learning from each other every day. And that's the way it should be. That's what keeps it interesting. Well, best of luck in Tokyo. And we look forward to cheering you on. And uh, if there's ever anything we get Asgore's can do to help, please let us know. My pleasure. And thank you so much for the time. You can find Nick Wagman the same way I found Nick Wagman on Instagram. He's got two accounts there. One is personal, just Nick Wagman, and then one is all of his dressage work. Um, some of his dressage work, he actually doesn't have a lot of photos on there. Uh, it's Nick Wagman Dressage. And uh, again, we look forward to uh, seeing Team USA compete. Uh, there are a number of out athletes in equestrian at the Olympic Games this time around. There always are. Uh, as I said, Robert Dover was the first publicly out Olympian to compete in Olympics, be out while he competed. He was an equestrian, American equestrian rider back in 1988. And the tradition continues now. I think he's been publicly out athlete in that sport at every Olympics ever since. We're looking forward to a great Olympic Games kicking off in just a couple of weeks with as we know, no spectators, but we'll all be watching from thousands of miles away here in the United States. And of course, head over to Outsports where we'll be tracking all of the stories and all of the medals from all of the out athletes and tracking them all as Team LGBT. It's uh, a lot of fun to kind of see how all the out athletes stack up against everybody else. And he'll come on back next week for another episode of Five Rings to Rule Them All.